Uh. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the Rise and Flow podcasts. We're your hosts, Ray Khan and Gabe Estrada. And we are attorneys for creators, especially in this new creator market, which brings us to this episode. In today's episode, we're going to dive into the creator economy, what it is, and some of the trends that we've noticed as attorneys for successful creators. Absolutely. Yeah. And as creators ourselves, I mean, we're placed in a very kind of interesting position, right? Because yes, absolutely. We're attorneys, but again, we're creators, right? We're marketing our law firm on social media, and we have to keep up with a lot of these trends. Yeah, absolutely. Creator is not a certain title that represents a particular type of person showing up on YouTube or tick an influence or anything like that but it's much more general term than people think to believe, right? Anyone who's marketing their sales professionally on LinkedIn is a creator. Anyone who is an Etsy seller, an Etsy market owner, right? They're a creator as well. And that's why the creator economy is such a huge thing right now, right? Yeah. Creator economy is said to be worth over a hundred billion dollars worldwide. It's just incredible. It's crazy. And again, we're living in this very kind of special time, right? Because marketing, all of the traditional forms of marketing, right? That you'd spend hundreds and thousands of dollars sometimes on now shifted to this new kind of influencer type of marketing style. And it just opened up this whole brand new economy for businesses and creators, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. As you mentioned, we're attorneys, we have our own law firm, we're a business. Yeah. And in this day and age where social media has made it a no brainer to use to market your business, we are creators at the same time, just naturally, because we show up on social media, we create content that is targeted for our audience. It allows us to create helpful educational content that one serves our audience and serves the people we want to serve our potential clients, things like that, yeah. but also gets word out about who we are, gets word out about what we do and how we help creators with their legal troubles. So. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because like th that term influencer or creator, uh, sometimes it has, I guess the, what, depending on how you look at it, it has, yeah. it has a positive kind of a connotation to it, but it also could be viewed sometimes negatively, especially with the older generations with more established businesses, right. That kind of see this new kind of like TikTok world and they see it as kind of maybe childish, right? Like, mm -hmm. because you got to remember when TikTok came up, there was a lot of people that were saying, oh, it was just a bunch of people just dancing on it, a bunch of kids dancing on the platform, right? Yeah. And it's shifted so much, yeah. right? Or even from Instagram, right? Yeah. Like our Instagram influencers, right? There was yeah. like almost like Instagram, well, it was influencers in the wild and it was like kind of poking fun at like some of the cringeworthy content we saw on Instagram right. a few years back where people are making, getting made fun of or posting the pictures of their food or just taking pictures in certain like Instagrammable moments and yeah. properties and things like that. So yeah, there was almost like a, it was almost like, yeah, that connotation of being a influencer, right. but also just the opportunity that lies underneath that as well. Right. And we kind of saw that with, as we moved on from kind of like the vanity that Instagram right. kind of prioritized to right more helpful educational content that we kind of see on other platforms like YouTube, DIY, video, tutorials, things like that. And then now on TikTok and other platforms. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the biggest shift 
And that's why the, this whole creator economy exists now. And a lot of companies are taking it more seriously and are really starting to refocus and kind of repurpose their marketing just goals, right? And their funds, right? Some of these big companies are now taking a big chunk of their marketing and putting it in towards influencers and social media. Again, we're all about that, right? We're all about empowering our clients and making sure that they are equipped to be able to communicate, right? And especially handle some of these bigger accounts when these big corporations are reaching out to content creators that may not be as as a legal savvy or even sometimes even business savvy to be able to deal with these big corporations that sometimes are predatory and they are taking advantage of creators and i think that's one of our our goals right in inflow is to make sure that our clients are educated to make sure that they're not getting taken advantage of by these big corporations or even just not even have to be big corporations just any company make sure they're not taking advantage of our clients and make sure that they're getting paid for what their content is worth. Yeah, it's, it's really remarkable to look look at, right? It's kind of like the gold rush, right? And as we mentioned, like that $100 billion worldwide, that market cap is just, it's just so massive where a lot of companies want to get their hands on it. And that's because, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe not even 10 years ago, five years ago, yeah. Facebook marketing was kind of like the go-to platform for a lot of companies to get word out, build up small businesses, yeah. we're making Instagram posts, promoting them, boosting them, yeah. right? Paying Instagram for that little bit of exposure. Right. But when Apple came out with that iOS update two years ago now, yeah. that kind of put a pause on all that, right? No yeah. longer, like Facebook marketing wasn't as potent right. as it was and kind of hasn't recovered since. And this is why we're starting to see Facebook and Meta as it's known, known, kind of be shifting and pivoting into the metaverse because right you know, that huge income stream is no longer there. Right. So all that money that these brands are pouring into Facebook ads yeah. needs to go somewhere. And that's when they start working directly with influencers who kind of had organic reach right. on these platforms that these brands already were on, just, but couldn't just sell to their customers as easily as they could with a creator recommending their product or a creator talking about their product and getting that exposure to that creator's trusted audience is so much more valuable even than Facebook marketing was when it was at its peak. Well, yeah, because even if you think about it, like anyone that's had experience putting some of these Facebook ads out there, you you know that you'd go in there, you'd find a post that you want to share, and then Facebook would let you choose your demographic, right? It would say, do you want to target your 18 to 25 year olds or it'll let you kind of swipe the little, that little, little knob, right? Yeah. To, to pick the age group that you want to target. And then it would say like, well, demographic, do you want to target local audiences or within a hundred miles or whatever. And then you get to choose your interests, right? Yeah. Do you want to target people that have interests in sports and music, whatever you got to choose and you pretty much could put together a target audience. Yeah. Well, as soon as Apple and all these companies and rightfully so, because what a lot of these companies were doing is they were exploiting people's data, right? Mm -hmm. That was a huge shift, right? And that we saw is that when people started realizing that Facebook, Instagram, all these companies were monetizing their data, yeah. all of a sudden there was a big pushback against that. And that's when Apple decided, Hey, you know what? We're going to take our clients privacy very seriously. They did that update and then basically blocked out 
all of those things that Facebook would allow you to choose. So no longer can you choose the age range because the iPhones blocked it out. You couldn't choose the interests because again, they weren't, these apps were no longer able to track basically all your purchases and your shopping and, and all your that web stuff. browsing, right? It's huge. Like if you went on Google and you went on certain websites, it was called Facebook pixel. It's a kind of like a, yeah. an add on to or plugin for a lot of these websites that, you know, offer and connect to Facebook, but Facebook would get all that data about you as a user, about your most recent yeah. websites you visited, your most recent like add to cart information. They would know exactly where you were and what you've been doing. Right. So when you go on Facebook, that same brand would show up on your suggested yeah. posts, right? So that was kind of like the whole like, oh, Facebook's listening. Listening to right? yeah. It's happened to all of us, I'm yeah. sure. It's mm -hmm. happened where we're talking about something and all of a sudden, boom, it's on your Facebook feed, right? Yeah. And it's like, wait, what the heck? They're actually listening. Yeah, right? and that was the trend we saw. It's like when Apple had that iOS update and protected consumer information like that, that's when we saw brands kind of really pouring a lot of money into their budgets for working with creators directly. Right. And that's where we started seeing some of these predatory contracts come into play, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, where they own all the information or there's, we'll pay you a minimum amount or maybe we won't even pay you at all. We'll just give you free product, right? right. But now we're seeing this whole like UGC market come up where yeah. people are just UGC creators, right? Yeah. So obviously if you don't know, there's a difference between influencer marketing and UGC creation, right? Yeah. UGC stands for user-generated content, right? Now we're seeing a lot of UGC creators out there who literally just get sent packages and maybe they don't have the biggest audience in the world, but right. they can still provide like an organic feel to, hey, this is me and this is me using Dr. Squatch soap, right? right? I actually did one of these. Yeah. I don't know if they ever aired it, but we got sent some Dr. Squatch soap. We took some funny videos of us using it. I was like in the shower, rubbing it on my shoulder and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was funny. My girlfriend's like filming it to me and. <laughs> she had, like we had to like get some videos of her saying like my boyfriend used to stink using all that old deodorant <laughs> stuff and then I was like yeah I used to struggle with body odor this is all lies yeah you know, I was just reading a script they were telling me oh it's so scripted okay. yeah it was scripted because yeah that's the difference between like yeah. influencer marketing and UGC marketing yeah. right like UGC is just you're in paid actor really yeah and you're just using it and you're not posting it directly to your audience but the brand will take that and post it on their own social media yeah. as kind of like a testimonial right. way, right? But it's all scripted and it's all, this is, and this is blowing up as well, but it's basically the brands trying to leverage that organic feel that people are used to on social yeah. media, right? If I'm on social media, I follow Gabe because you have awesome Star Wars content. I take your word on Star Wars products really right. seriously, right? So if I wanna get a certain toy, and you're explaining it to me that it's as real as you can get for being a toy, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and purchase that because right. that's my interest and I take your word seriously based yeah. on the fact that I know you're a pretty diehard Star Wars guy. Right. I think I, kind of going back to that, right? Because I, as you guys know, and I, we talked about it in that first episode, yeah, my, my social media kind of blew up with my Star Wars stuff. I'm a big Star Wars geek. I collect these life-size Star Wars prop replicas, right? And they're the, these licensed pieces and uh, I think I started seeing that shift, right? I so when my account started blowing, I started noticing, yeah, it was company after company hitting me up saying, hey, we'd love to send you some stuff. We'd love to, for you to review this. And that's when I really realized just on my, just my personal account that I was like, whoa, I guess I kind of am like, quote unquote, an influencer. I hate using that word, but I, these companies saw me as an influencer because of the broad reach. And, it, and I think what's most important is that because my content was so 
niche, right? It was very specific to Star Wars prop replicas, right? So life-size replicas. They're, they knew that the, my close to half a million followers on TikTok were there specifically to listen to me talk about these types of props. So these companies started reaching out to me and was like, it's perfect because instead of us trying to pay Facebook and Instagram for these ads that you don't know who's going to get targeted, right? It can end up being on someone's page that has no interest in Star Wars. Just, it just happens to land on their page. Now they had almost half a million people that they knew they were there for Star Wars and now they could pretty much target that audience. So Yeah, well, it's kind of like, we're, it's coming full circle with what was originally just word of mouth. Like think back to the 19th century, right? Where if you're a business, the only business you're getting is probably local business. Right. And it's coming from not massive marketing, but it's coming from just traditional word of mouth, right? Hey, I know these lawyers and like one of the few lawyers in town and I had a good experience with them and you should go see them as well, my friendly neighbor. And that was kind of how word of mouth and marketing was done back then. And then what we saw basically in the 20th century was just the rise of like massive advertising, right? These right. huge, this is like Mad Men, right? right. Like just selling ads, Man. magazines, TV commercials, things like that. Radio. And that, that was successful for the longest time. Yeah. But consumer behavior shifted, right? With social media, with the internet, we kind of didn't want to be sold to anymore. Right. We didn't want to be manipulated by commercials. We right. wanted to be inspired. Yeah. We wanted to basically connect with people that we admired yeah. and took their word for it. Once again, going back to word of mouth. So it's kind of like coming full circle to that natural inclination of trusting someone you know and who's your friend or you think you're your friend on your social media. If you're a follower, you almost have that pseudo friendship with someone almost, right? right? That you're going to take their word for something, right? So it's kind of just coming back. Like we've experienced that massive marketing aspect of things and just shifting away from that. And if you think about it, if you really, as you listeners, think about the moment that you realize that you might not have realized it at the time, but now looking back on it, so remember, you know, the Super Bowl, right? The commercials, yeah. people would watch, even people that weren't interested in sports, they would watch the Super Bowl because they wanted to see the commercials, the cool, clever commercials, the halftime show, everything related to that. And then fast forward now and think about watching when Netflix came about, right? Netflix, now you could skip, right? Well, first there was no commercials. And mm -hmm. then when they started kind of putting commercials, like let's say on, on streaming, yeah, mm -hmm. on Hulu and all that stuff, commercials became a pain in the ass. I mean, yeah. it literally became something that like, you're like, oh, I hate, that. oh, I have to sit through three commercials. I have to sit there through two commercials. When we grew up in a time where you had, that was normal, mm -hmm. right? You had to yeah. sit there and watch the commercials. And even think about like Spotify. Yeah. Right. It's like when you first started getting Spotify, having to listen to the commercials ended up becoming such a negative feeling to the point where it's almost detrimental to the company. Yeah. Right. You're interrupting someone's like good time to now insert these just awkward commercials that are sometimes the volume is pumped up like, oh, super yeah. crazy. Like, yeah. Me as a consumer, like commercials have turned me off more than turned me on in a weird way. I guess I would say it that, is. right? Yeah. 
I can't remember the last time I saw a commercial and I was like, oh, I want to buy this product. Yeah. I was probably more like apathetic to it. Yeah. But there's a lot more times where I saw a commercial and I'm like, oh my God, this is so annoying. I'm definitely never going to buy I'm this. I'm never going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I've had that same experience where I literally like, I'm really into something and a commercial pops up or it's like a commercial that keeps on popping up every break. And I'm like, I hate this brand. Like this is the worst commercial and I'm never going to buy from them just because they keep on like, putting yeah. these awkward commercials in there. And honestly, it's just a change of format, right? Because yeah. I'm thinking about when I do hear ads, right? It yeah. just comes down to like the format of it, right? And for example, I'm a big fan of the Tim Ferriss podcast. And I, I admire Tim and everything he's built with his business, but I also admire just the fact like his care about health and wellness and just general yeah. mind hacking and body hacking, things like that I'm interested in, right? And I know that he, thoroughly vets when he does put an advertisement on his podcast yeah. and when he speaks about it, something personally, right? Like, and he, this is just something he's built with his audience, right? That, you know, if he's offering a product on his podcast, like I can trust, or I feel like I trust him that he's tested the product, he's used it. And like, there is some truth and authenticity to what he's saying, right? So when he's saying, Hey, go buy athletic greens because it's the best supplement I take. And I'm like, wow, like, I trust him, right? And I'm gonna, I'm interested now in trying that product. Yeah. It's once again, it's still an advertisement, right. but it just feels different because of that connection I have to him as a creator. And I think that's just something we're seeing just more so, right? Yeah. Like probably, I'm pretty sure at this point in time, like a lot of us, just mm -hmm. people in general who use the internet yeah. have probably bought products because of someone influencing us, yeah. right? Some creator that we admire saying, hey, I just launched a new makeup brand, right? Well, yeah. My Ky Kylie Jenner. Right? Yeah, I think exactly. that's a perfect example. Kylie Jenner. My girlfriend loves Selena Gomez, and she just launched. She launched her makeup line, yeah. and my girlfriend bought her makeup just because she loves Selena Gomez and wanted to try it out, right? Yeah. And that's just once again, Selena Gomez is a creator. Right. It's not like more more traditional creator in the sense like where yes, she's a song, right. she's a singer, right? So, or even um, that it's just the same thing, right? right? It's just that trusted creator. And that's why that's so much value there. That's why it's a hundred billion dollar industry. And I mean, I guess kind of now shifting a little bit towards the legal side of it, right? I think because now, and lawmakers realize this, right? And understand that, hey, just like back in the 1970s, right? And 60s, where the government and policymakers decided that it was not cool to advertise to children. Right. You, yeah. Right. There's this whole act saying like, you can't advertise to children. And then you saw that shift in the eighties with Reagan, he pulled it back. And all of a sudden there was, everything was advertisement for children. And anyone that grew up in the eighties knows that when you watched the Care Bears, they weren't showing you a TV show, the care, they were trying to sell you the Care Bear shows, He-Man, GI Joe. I mean, all of these shows were literally created to sell a product. Yeah. It wasn't the other way around. It's literally, they had the product first and then they created the TV show to advertise it. So now fast forward to this new kind of creator economy, lawmakers realize that a lot of us are dependent on these influencers and that's where the federal trade commission comes in yes. now. And that's something that we wanted to touch upon because it's a very important part of this creator economy and we, obviously we're attorneys and we want to bring that up because the sense that someone's lying to you or being paid to is, is 
codified in these laws, right? And these restrictions that the Federal Trade Commission puts in place to make sure that these advertisings are actually categorized as advertisements as opposed to just like influencers giving their opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because I think influencers probably a lot of influencers got popular because they were just giving their opinion right on things when someone who's a foodie right goes and says hey i, I tried this restaurant and i really love this restaurant that's their authentic opinion about that i value that more than when i know they're getting paid to say that Correct. right if they're showing up like right and we're seeing this now where foodie like there's a lot of food bloggers out there who get paid to show up to a restaurant right. try the food and then talk about it right and if they're it doesn't even have to be paid right if they're offering you free food if they're offering you like a gift certificate or whatever it may be, that's a gift. That's something that you're getting in exchange for your word on them, right? And that needs to be disclosed. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like, yes, it's yes, if you're getting paid, but also if you receive any free gifts, if you received anything in return, any consideration that needs to be disclosed to your audience. And that just comes down to being truthful, right? It just comes down to not being deceptive and not being a weirdo about it. And the problem with the creators and that's out there is that it sometimes doesn't become as organic, as natural to straight up just tell your audience, hey, I'm getting this for free or I'm getting paid to tell you this. So a lot of content creators are getting themselves into trouble because they're basically doing their normal reviews, their normal kind of style of content without disclosing that they're getting it for free. Now, and it's not just a basic disclosure. There's multiple layers of disclosure, right? Yes. Right? Can you talk about a little bit about those? So it's, we, yeah. Yeah. So it has to be in the video, like in the actual content, number one, right? It has to be said out loud, right? It has to, the creator has to say, hey, this is a thank you to my partner at, I don't even know, what at I, Star Wars, at Lucasfilms, sure. right? Right. Like, thank you, my partner at Lucasfilms. Yeah. This is advertising, this is paid advertising, whatever. It has to be disclosed verbally. And then it also has to be in the caption of the video. When I say caption of the video, it has to be written out in the frame of the video, not just the description caption, right? There's, when we say captions, it could be two different things. It should be everywhere, honestly, because once again, someone might be listening to you without looking at the video, have to say it verbally. And then someone might be just reading the captions to what you're saying on your video without the audio playing. So it needs to be just, just transfer, that information has to be transferred to the audience member at in any way, yeah. right? So yes, it has to be disclosed verbally, in writing, yeah, probably in two places, the description and also in the frame of the video. Well, and all of these platforms now understand that and they realize that, and all of them are gonna have an option to sponsor, right? You get to click on the sponsorship little section, right? And yeah. then on the top, It'll say paid advertisement or sponsored post, which is an added layer, honestly, added layer to protect the influencer. Because in reality, the brand, I mean, depending on the agreement that you signed with the brand, the brand's not going to be the one that's going to get hurt by the post. The influencer, the one that's actually making the quote unquote deceiving post is the one that's going to get fined by the Federal Trade Commission. And Ray, if you wouldn't mind, ladies, what's the per day per post violation? Yeah, it's 46,500. I don't know. I can't remember the yeah. rest of it, but it's for, it's over 46,000 per day per violation. So if you have multiple videos, maybe you did a campaign for a brand 
two videos. Right. So that's $46,000 times two times the number of days that post existed. Right. So if it was up for two weeks, that's 46,000 right. times two, which is 90,000 per yeah. times 14. I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, even, <laughs> even just one of those would bankrupt any normal creator. Yeah. And again, it's up to, right. And I'm not saying that obviously one violation in the federal trade commission is gonna be like, here's $46,000 yeah. fine. Obviously it's a, gradually scale and there is precedent to this where the ftc did come down I, there was a tea company a couple of years ago when they first were kind of regulating influencer marketing and in that enforcement proceeding they did charge the brand they did bill out the brand to make sure they returned money to the consumers right that's all idea it's like right. you pay these fines that money gets returned to the consumers that were basically um frauded right, right. fraudulent transactions basically that's what they yeah. claim it as and in that proceeding, they said they didn't charge the influencers, but just because they weren't charging the influencers in that situation doesn't mean that they can't do it in the future. Right. And brands can survive this type of situation, depending on how successful and how right. much revenue they're bringing in. But a creator can't, right? Like that's something that would bankrupt you right. e like easily. So that's why it's more so on you to be, as a creator, the individual creator, understand this because right. you have a lot more to lose. And that's why I think, and again, kind of going back, that why what we're doing with creators is actually so important, right? Because a lot of these contracts, they're legal contracts, right? They're legally binding contracts that the creator is signing with the company. And we handle so many clients that are influencers that are signing these contracts, but just on the personal side, again, with the whole Star Wars thing, I get these contracts all the time as well. And I started seeing a shift in those contracts as well, because when I first started getting these agreements, they're very standard agreements. Hey, you get, we get to use your content. We, you're making this content. You got to post it here and there and that. So very specific terms. Now what I started realizing or started noticing is that all of these new contracts have clauses that basically say the creator needs to be up to date on all the regulations, the government regulations, and will not hold the company liable for those violations. So basically these new agreements are starting to have clauses where basically they're telling the influencer, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this deal with you, but it's up to you to make sure that you're following all the federal guidelines for these advertisements. And in fact, I've gotten an agreement where there was an, an addendum to it, like just an, a, an amendment that had a bunch of scenarios that were copied and pasted from the Federal Trade Commission, basically, so that way the company's literally just washing their hands from any liability that the influencer kind of gets in trouble for. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just both parties are just being, I think, more influential to becoming more aware of this, but there's a lot who have no idea. Right. But I think brands are starting to understand and communicate this more because the brand understands that they could be in trouble but at the same time they're covering their butt by right. putting it in a contract that hey you creator are aware of this right. we're doing everything in our power to let you know yeah. and we obviously your payment and yeah. us accepting your video is probably going to be contingent on whether you do this correctly yeah so yeah not only if if you're an influencer or a creator doing these brand deals you might put all the effort into making these videos but Hey, at the end of the day, if you didn't disclose it right, 
they're not going to pay you. Right. They're not going to, cause you didn't disclose it correctly. Right. And now you, that was just time wasted and yeah. you don't really have a recourse after that. And that just gets to another thing, like beyond just the legalities of that, it's just like the strategy as a creator. Right. Right. And I think like if you're a creator and you're being approached by brands, I think you need to be a little selective about the brands you work with because you owe that to your audience, right? Like, as we mentioned, like consumer behaviors, what kind of got like governs it all. Yeah. And if you're showing up and you're sounding like a commercial that we, as we just mentioned, yeah. like we don't buy products if they sound like commercials to us, yeah. you also don't want to do that to your audience. You don't want right. to be, it's like a sellout. And right, right, exactly. Right? You want to make sure like, you want to take what I call like that Tim Ferriss approach, right? Yeah. Where it's like, I know that when Tim Ferriss has, he has multiple advertisements on his podcast. I know all those advertisements have been vetted one by him and make sense for him. And he takes a lot of consideration to his audience members and what they might like and shares it with us, yeah. right? He's not just saying like, sometimes I listen to other podcasts and they're just, there's like a Tide commercial on this podcast yeah. has nothing to do with laundry or has nothing to do with like right. that product at all. I'm like, why am I listening to a Tide commercial on this podcast right. about like creator trends, right? Yeah. So. I think you as a creator also just have to be very strategic about who you're working with and the brands you're working with and the products you are promoting. No matter how much money it's available, you have to be very strategic because you can lose audience members who credibility turned off and credibility, right? Yeah. But I think there is one little thing. Obviously, we have we, you look at both sides, right? You have to think about also the influencer space, right? The creator space. And it goes back to kind of supply and demand, right? Because here's the thing, and it's very common in any niche, right? Where a company reaches out to the creator, the influencer, and says, hey, we want to send you this free product for you to test out. Now, you have two choices at that point. You could say, sure, I'm going to I'm gonna do it, or here are my terms, right? I'll do it, but here's how much I'm going to charge. Or you're going to refuse, right, and just straight up doing it, and they're just going to move on to the next influencer, right? They're going to move on to the next person. And that feeling is, I think, the hardest thing about being a creator. The feeling to think, hey, I'm not good enough. Or maybe there's other people that are equally as good or better. And if I don't take this opportunity, they're just going to move on to the next person. And that's something just I think that's ingrained in us just I think as humans right yeah. it, it's it's the feeling of like hey if I don't take this opportunity they're gonna give it to the next person so I better just take it and just do it no foul no harm if I just do it the problem with that is that so and we coach our clients on mm -hmm. this all the time is that you have to value you have to really put a value on your content right you gotta start shifting your mentality as a creator from, hey, I'm just a, you know, a creator doing this for fun, which obviously it is, but also thinking about the value that you're providing that company and looking at that company as this corporation that, you know, is, I mean, not all of them, but they're trying to take advantage of your services to promote their products. And you, you should charge them what you're going to charge them and don't back off of that. Yeah, don't back off that charge and you're not missing out on much. At the end of the day, you're building a brand, right? It's hard to think of it that way sometimes, but you just have to shift your mindset to that, right? right? And when you do that, things become a little bit more clearer, right? Yeah. And then 
over time yeah. that like that audience that leverage you're growing will exceed anything you're selling yourself short with in the short run right yeah. so and then like a perfect example of this and we, we talk about the creator e-commerce pipeline a lot right like becoming a business in some way shape or form starting your own business becoming an educator building independent streams of revenue based on the audience you've built yeah. based on the traction you've built and taking advantage of that right yeah. like yes being a creator is great but it's also a lot of work right it's time consuming creator burnout's a real thing yeah and i think after 2020 we got into 2021 and started really feeling that yeah. and during the pandemic there was, it was new to be come like be a creator yeah. it was kind of fun there was not much else to do right and after a year of that we started seeing people just get burnt out yeah right like it's a lot of work it's a lot of work to do a podcast edit it upload it promote it it's hard to make a youtube video do right. exactly the same thing yeah. right TikTok, right it's hard to be consistent it's hard to create quality content and we just started seeing people just be over it right yeah. and that's why we always talk about like just being that independent creator right yeah building some type of business out of that or some type of reoccurring revenue out of that just being smart about the way you create right, right. even if you're creating less but maybe you're showing up in a more valuable way right and we kind of see that with like mr beast right mr beast is like that youtube creator who started off just like trying to figure out youtube and obviously he's very successful at it now but mr beast was just offered a million a billion dollars yeah for his channels and his everything yeah. he's worth. He denied it because he knows that it's gonna be worth even more than that. But that's because he built Beast Burger. He's built like his chocolate bars. He has products that once again, he's got this huge audience, this loyal audience that is about what he does. And this is just some kid who just started doing YouTube videos 10 years ago. And now he's just reaping the benefits of what he's built from that. Yeah. Now, you know, he's, the like obviously the outlier because not everyone has a billion dollars worth of channels that they run but that's just the potential there right yeah. and like i said he denied that billion dollar buyout because he knows that it could be worth 10 billion in another 10 years because he's got that strategy of not just being just a youtube creator right yeah. i'm just gonna make my money off youtube revenue right and sometimes we see that with people who are just like TikTok creators and i'm only gonna make my money off branded content deals yeah. but why don't you just be the brand itself? Right. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to coach our clients on and creating yeah. their own like synergy models and their own like right. multiple businesses based on yeah. the brand they're building. Right. Because the money's going to come. I mean, I think ultimately you got to have faith just like any business, right? You're passionate about something that you want to put out there to provide for your consumer, right? Or yeah. followers or whatever. And the money's going to just come. And yeah. we're starting to see that actually with some social media platforms, right? Yeah. Obviously the ultimate goal, I think for a lot of years was to get it into YouTube, right? The YouTube space was the place to be for monetization because you're going to get the ad revenue just by having the videos up there and you're going to get this stream of revenue. That's something that you couldn't really do like on Twitter or on Instagram or even on TikTok. So what a lot of creators did is they started funneling their followers into their YouTube channel to be able to potentially make some money. And then we started seeing a shift, right? Where all of a sudden Instagram and TikTok, right? TikTok started coming out with the creator marketplace, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden now they opened up the doors for creators to monetize their content. And then Instagram started doing the same thing with their bonus, the real bonuses. And all of a sudden there's this new shift on changing 
how creators are monetizing their content. And then even further, YouTube was like, wait a second, we're now losing a lot of our content creators and going to these kind of shorter format content, right? Or vertical, vertical content, right? Yeah. Vertical content creators. And a lot of people are getting off YouTube and now going towards these other things. So now YouTube changed their, what are they called? The not real, their uh, shorts. shorts. So now they're saying, okay, now we're going to pay creators for their shorts. And you have the potential to make money off your vertical content here on YouTube. So it's really cool and so interesting to see these platforms changing their whole model and their whole algorithm, right? And that's huge because you see an algorithm change when they're trying to promote these new strategies on how to monetize mm -hmm. the content. So it's, we're seeing it literally in front of our very own eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Shifting. And there's a lot of people saying like, oh, because YouTube's now going to be like probably the best monetized platform for vertical video content. I think that's still a red herring. Even when Instagram was coming out with reels bonuses, like you have to like have multiple videos go extremely viral to make like a a modest amount of money on it, right? right? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's almost like you're just getting a couple cents. Right. And TikTok, I'm not too familiar with the monetization on there, but it's also not like, it's something crazy, yeah. right? It's nice to get paid, but I think it's just bonuses at the end of the day. Right. That's what it is. It's nice to get like paid an extra couple of dollars for the content you're creating. Yeah. Now, obviously like YouTube long form content is a little bit more. You can get a decent amount of money from that, right. but I still think it's red herring. And here's why is because I think you're still a slave to the platform, yeah. right? You're not going to be making money on YouTube or TikTok unless you're creating content yeah. that's continuously being engaged with. Yeah. And that's once again, kind of leads to that burnout. And that's why we kind of see there's a lot of YouTube creators, like my favorites, like yoga with Adrian, right? Like I, I started doing yoga with Adrian like seven years ago. She's a huge YouTube yoga creator. A lot of people know her, no. but she shifted from just solely being on YouTube to creating her own mighty network where people pay to join her community or come for free for her content that she's still creating. And she still has a YouTube channel. Yeah. It's just not her main like focus, right. right? It's still a top of her funnel, just like TikTok and social media should be the top of your funnel for your brand to siphon them to your actual, right. your own basically owned real estate, your own digital real estate. Yeah. That's why we love the idea of like the community model, right? Yeah. Instead of just having all everyone come and watch you on YouTube, why not create like a premium subscription where they're just coming to you? Those of your fans who are willing to pay for you $10 a month to get that yoga content and also community, right. maybe other articles about wellness, other guest posts and stuff like that. People are willing to pay for that. And now with her, she gets to own all that data. Yeah. She gets to own everything and she doesn't have to show up to YouTube every month or like in a right. certain way or shape or form it's on her own digital real estate. That way, if YouTube ever kicked her channel off, it's not the end of the day yeah. because she still has her own basically yeah. digital real estate online. So. Exactly. And it's, it is, it's very interesting to, to kind of see that we even saw it recently with Instagram, right? Instagram started offering subscription, like yeah. the, your creator subscriptions. Another red herring, honestly. Yeah. Right. Because they know that, Hey, these creators could do it on their own. They don't, they no longer need Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Like they could literally just create their community and take them elsewhere. And so now they're trying to incentivize these creators to stay on the platform by saying, okay, hey, wait, I know YouTube is offering the subscription for special content. Now Instagram's going to offer that as well. But 
ultimately you got to think about this. These companies just want you to be on that platform. Why? Because they're monetizing it. They're making money off of your content, regardless of the way you look at it. That's what they're doing. It is terrifying for them to think that you're going to pull their, your content because without you as a creator, without your content, they are nothing. Yeah, they are exactly. nothing. So I think again, there is this shift of power and I love it. I love it. Like it gives me like goosebumps <laughs> yeah. because there's a shift of power from these corporations to the content creator. And it's a beautiful time. I mean, I love it. I love it. It's there's really, I don't think in history, a, a shift of this magnitude to the people, right? Yeah. To the, just the average person, the amount of power that we have as creators, these companies are terrified. And in fact, even just the big corporations that want to advertise on these platforms, again, you're taking that power away from them from their marketing companies and from these the typical madmen, right? Yeah. Madmen scenario, right? With these ad agencies, very manipulative and all that. We just took it back. And now yeah. it's like power to the people, right? Where somebody in their garage or in their living room could now be the biggest marketing agent out there. Yeah. So, it's amazing. Yeah. It's almost like the best analogy is almost like it's maybe not the most accurate, but it's kind of like thinking about food, right? Yeah. A couple of years, like 20 years ago, Chili's, Olive Garden, Applebee's, yeah. these were like booming businesses doing really well. And then we just started this consumer behavior changing once again, where it's like, I don't know if I want to go to Applebee's. I'd rather go to the mom and pop restaurant yeah. that's doing like some really cool, awesome food that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing, right? If I'm a content consumer, I'm not just going to throw on Netflix and just watch what's right. on Netflix, putting put on me. I can go on YouTube and I can find out my favorite creators and watch their content. And now my eyes are coming from Netflix or traditional cable to a solo creator who's just hopping on talking about whatever, right? Whatever I'm interested in, right? Exactly. So, and that's just happening tenfold yeah. across every industry. It's a really exciting time. And I think there's so much opportunity out there for creators to kind of just like, once again, I don't take, it's like that gold rush, right? Yeah, like grab as much gold as they can because it's out there. Just like us, right? Yeah. Like we started a law firm based on the same exact model creators use yeah. where it's like we use social media to market our business and then we funnel them into our own digital real estate, yeah. into our own subscription, yeah. into our own client base. Yeah. And it can be done in multiple ways. And then because of that, we're able to compete with other law firms that had a lot more revenue than us, right. who have a lot more capital than us. And we're still able to compete with them, even like LegalZoom. We still, still yeah. compete with like LegalZoom, a huge corporation. Yeah. And that's all done because of what was given to us at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. So, and again, it goes back to that, yeah, the taking back the power. And in fact, you know what another very kind of just perfect example is the music industry, yeah. right? I think that same shift in, in the music industry where 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was like the big, I don't even know, the big five, I forgot how many, there's these big record companies that you had to go through if you wanted to blow up. And now you got creators, what's her name? Billie Eilish, right? Mm -hmm. Eilish, yeah, right? Like they're just literally recording stuff in their home and they just became the biggest artists. Like, 
out there. And that's literally where this shift is going. Yeah. Where the people are in charge of basically their future, right? Like yeah. we, well, we control everything. Exactly. Well, I mean, I always go back to Nipsey Hustle, right? Like if anyone, yeah. any of our clients who show up on a consultation or call with us, I always have a book of Nipsey Hustle in the background. And he was kind of leading on this early on, right? When Nipsey Hustle, the rapper, he could have gone to, I mean, he talked to record labels at early on in his career after a few mixtapes and he just wasn't having it. He didn't want them to own the masters to his mixtapes or own the masters to his music. He knew he wanted to own that. Yeah. So they said, well, tough luck. Good luck trying to make it in this business, trying to like de have demands like that. You don't have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So long, no one's going to want to work with you. Yeah. So what did he do? He went, he did it. He created his music himself. Yeah. He promoted it himself. Yeah. And yes, it's the harder road to do in that short-term vision, mm -hmm. but he had a long-term vision, right? He knew that eventually he will build up that fandom. He will build that leverage. So when he did approach a record label, he was able to demand what he wanted to saying, Hey, I'm going to own the masters to this and I'm gonna do it my way. Yeah. And you guys are just going to help out with what I want you to help out with. Right. And at that point they, they folded yeah. to it because he had already yeah. built himself up. And that's exactly what we're telling all exactly. creators now, right? Like no matter what industry you're in or what, who you want to work with or whatever it may be, yeah. you have that leverage based on that follower count, based on that audience, based on who's yeah. engaging with your content, that when you want to approach a bigger, I don't know, business partner in the future, yeah. you can demand it and you can back it up yeah. with the fact that, hey, if you're not going to take this opportunity to work with me, Nipsey Hustle, right. I'm going to find someone who does want to work with me. So that's beautiful, right? Instead exactly. of just the bigger corporations trying to bully you into submission. Right. Yeah. And again, that's why it's so important to really look at these contracts and really look at these brands that are approaching you as creators, as a small online business, because again, know your value know your worth and we're telling you even if you're a small creator you are the most valuable piece of marketing that any of these companies can have right because a lot of times it's not about the follower count it's about the engagement of your followers right because you could have millions of followers but if they're not actually engaged in your content then it's worthless there's no point in marketing through you yeah. but if they could if you could show them that you have a community that's really engaged with engaged. your content niche down that is probably the most valuable thing you can have in this kind of creator market yeah absolutely yeah. it's kind of just being able to sell that to those yeah. businesses because i know a lot of creators who have less followers than others yeah. who get paid more per TikTok video, more per post in general, because of the fact that they have a more engaged audience or they have a particular niche mm -hmm. audience yeah. that these brands know like, hey, we're getting our product in the eyes of our exact consumers that right. we are targeting, as opposed to some creators who have very large followings, right. but mixed, mixed audience, right? So that's why it also is important to have yeah. that niche that we always talk about as well. So. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I love this topic. Again, we're we talking we're, about it for hours. We're living in it. But I think some of the key takeaways, obviously, to hopefully you're getting some inspiration to go out there and make some content and really just grow your brand, grow your audience and really get them engaged. But I think some of the key takeaways is know your worth, know that you are valuable right? Regardless of your following, you are very valuable. Don't let these companies kind of bully you around. I think that's number one. Number two, make sure you're reading anything that you're getting sent to. These are legally binding agreements that they're sending. 
A lot of them are very predatory. So you have to really watch out because it could be a situation where you end up signing this agreement thinking, hey, I'm going to get this free little gift bag, whatever, to review. And all of a sudden you realize you signed over all your content to this company to monetize however they want. So make sure you're reading it. Obviously, if you want to reach out to an attorney, which is probably the smartest thing, do yeah. that before signing anything. And then the last thing is just just make content. Yeah, have just fun. Have fun. Be doing. strategic. Yeah. Build something bigger than yourself. That's kind of like the purpose behind it all, right? Absolutely. This is the time. This is our time. There hasn't been a generation out there that has had this opportunity. There's no more gatekeeping of these big marketing firms, these big advertising firms. We are the creator economy. Yeah. So and it's in many different forms. Absolutely. It can be on video, it could be audio, it could be written. Yeah. You can show up however is most comfortable, whatever fires you up the most. Yeah. You can do that and you can do it for a living, which is crazy that yeah. there's so many people doing that right now. Yeah. And like even what we're doing, like yeah. I, when we became lawyers, I thought I was going to be chained to a desk and yeah. working 80 hours a week and yes, enjoying probably a nice salary, but also not having a life and not doing anything I was interested in. But now look at us, yeah. we're able to dabble into podcasting, yeah. we're able to do sh short form video content, yeah. we're able to actually work with the clients we want to work with, yeah. basically people we would consider our friends, right? Absolutely. Like it's just, it's awesome that we're able to kind of build our own career in the way we see fit. Yeah. And that's not just for us, but that's open and available to everyone. And I think that's what's really great. And I'm, I love seeing more people do that. And I wish I could share this with other people who I know are struggling with their own current job situations, their yeah. own career path and stuff like that, to let them know that there are other opportunities out there. Yeah. And maybe it's not the quickest shift in the world, but there's ways to learn about it. And there's ways to just get started and do it. So absolutely. So Get out there, make some content. Thanks for listening again, guys. Yeah. I mean, this is this was a fun one. And yeah, hopefully we'll get some more of these podcasts out to you and hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, thank you all for your time. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys.